Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Tess, I want to ask you a question real quick. Let's just keep a real straight shot with no chaser. I'm going to get a little bit rough here. I'm here for those who really believe in the American process. All of us. Straight shot, no chaser. With your girl, Tess Figaro on the Black Effect Podcast Network. What's happening, straight shooters? This is Tesla Figaro. I am here again with my friend, mentor, girlfriend, attorney, Natalie Jackson, national renowned civil rights attorney, and just someone that I've always reached out to when I have any questions uh, regarding any legal matters or social justice. She is certainly true to the game. We are bringing her back again for episode three, part three. If you did not get a chance to check out part one and two, attorney Natalie Jackson joined me on the last couple of weeks to talk about the Derek Chauvin case. Here we are now with the conviction. The last uh, episode, we went into the charges, what that looked like. Uh, what he could possibly be charged with. And now he's actually been convicted. Thank you so much, Natalie, for joining me again to break this down to the tribe on what we saw happen on last week during that conviction. Thank you for having me on my favorite podcast, Straight Shot No Chaser. <laughs> it really is your favorite. She's not just saying that guy I truly am her favorite. And she's my favorite too. So tell us, Natalie, let's get straight to it. What happened? Did we expect... We kind of expected him to get something, you know, be charged on something. If nothing yes. else, manslaughter. Shout out to attorney Keith Ellison for making sure everything was on the table. I think people's worst case scenario was, OK, he'll get manslaughter. We know he gets something. But did I know you and I text that day? And mm-hmm. when the jury came back, you said it's murder, too. I certainly wasn't thinking it was going to be all three charges. Did no. you? And why not? I didn't think so, because in Florida, we have a different system. So remember, every state has a different system of how you can be charged, what charges you can be brought up on in a criminal case. In Florida, you would either be charged for murder or manslaughter. You can't be charged for both. So that was really interesting to me because manslaughter is a is in Florida is accidental killing, where murder is a it it can be a non-intent killing, 
but it's not in a culpable negligence, which is which it is even in Minnesota. But in Minnesota, you can be convicted on all three counts, the murder two count, the murder three count and the manslaughter, which is very different than Florida. Does that make sense? Because I know he he put he gave the, the, the jury that so that they could have an option. That's what I thought. Yeah. Right. So how how can you say it was an accident and it was also intent to commit the assault? Because I want to clear that up because I know we talked about it on the last thing. The mm-hmm. murder wasn't intentional. The assault was intentional. He right. intended to assault, which resulted in the murder. So how can you be convicted on both? How does that make sense? I think it's just the wording of the charge, because really, it seems as though these are all manslaughter charges because you don't have an intent in the murder two and the murder three. Like you and I discussed previously, Tez, there was some something we needed to clear up about the murder too. There is no intent to commit murder for the murder two charge. However, for the murder two charge, you have to also commit another crime, which would be the aggravated assault. Aggravated assault has an intent to assault. So he had to have intended to put his knee on, on George Floyd's neck and intended to cause some sort of harm to George Floyd by doing that. But in doing so, he killed George Floyd. So there is no intent to kill George Floyd, but there is there was the intent for the aggravated assault. And in doing so, he killed him. That's what murder two is in Minnesota. So as you can see, the murder two in Minnesota would actually kind of be manslaughter in Florida because you were saying that he didn't intend to kill him, but he did something reckless and dangerous and committed a crime. Well, when I look at manslaughter, I always think about drunk driving. Because mm-hmm. that's the case that I think people can usually relate to. Mm-hmm. And so when you said, and, and I guess I see, and you can clear it up because I'm asking the question. Yeah. If it was in Florida, when I see intent to assault, I think I intended to hit you. Right. And as a result, you died. Right. Where manslaughter, in my mind, drunk driving, I didn't intend to hit anybody. It was an accident flat out. Okay. And that's a great way to put it because that's what, that's what murder two is. It's called felony murder in Florida. So felony murder is when you commit when you commit a crime and in the commission of that crime, somebody dies. Right. And I intended to commit that crime. Right. That's where the the word intent. And thank you so much for spending so much time, you know, just making sure that we understood each other so that we can educate folks, you know, so that they, you know, have an understanding. So Mm -hmm. got that. That that makes total sense. What about the other murder charge? The other murder charge was unintentional killing of someone while you're doing act with a depraved heart. So you you did an evil act and somebody died. That's what murder three is in, in Minnesota. And then manslaughter in Minnesota is, of course, culpable negligence. Mm-hmm. It's something that you did negligently and you're culpable for it. I wonder if, Natalie, do you think since they want, because even though the jury said that they were not influenced by the civil settlement, mm-hmm. you know that people are still human. Mm-hmm. And they can sit up there all day and say they're not, you know, influenced. But since the civil settlement said that he was negligent, because as you know, being a civil rights attorney, uh-huh. you don't have to prove, you know, to the level of what a, what the state does. Right. I wonder if they gave the manslaughter because he was already, you know, quote unquote, the city had already recognized that there was some negligence. And since negligence is tied to manslaughter, do you think that could possibly have something to do with it? Well, here's the thing. Juries are charged with only listening to the evidence that's presented in trial. So if we pretend like that's what people do, because that's Mm -hmm. what, you know, we pretend that, you know, people don't bring any of their outside biases in, which is what you're supposed to do when you're a juror. 
not bring anything, any knowledge that you know from outside. You're only supposed to listen to evidence at trial and make your decision based on the evidence that was presented in trial. Then no, they should not have made their decision based on the civil lawsuit. Now, could they have? Of course, you know, could they, could they have? Of course. But I will say that in this case, it's really interesting to me. This is the gymnastics that we in Black America have to go through, right? Because there was a video of a man killed on, <laughs> there, uh, killed on video. There was a video of Chauvin killing George Floyd. So this is exactly sh- what should have happened. He should have been convicted. There was direct evidence of it. You had witnesses who came and testified to it. So this, but because we are so used to not getting justice for Black people, we are shocked over something that really should not even take two minutes to deliberate on because you saw a video. But we're shocked by this because we're so used to not getting justice. I find that part of what we are going through as Black America really the interesting part of this case, that we are happy to get justice. And that's what's wrong with the justice system. Okay, so with that said, we're shocked in America. People feel a little bit of relief. We certainly know this is not the end. We know that we have to continue fighting for policy, George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. We know that this one case does not apply to everything. There are a lot of conversations. People say we feel like it's justice for everybody. And I know what they mean when they say that. But you, Natalie, as an attorney, knows that, no, it's technically a lot of justice for everybody because every case, you know, should have justice. But we get the overall feeling of, okay, Something is finally working in our favor, even though this case is very, very unique. You mentioned on the last podcast, you do not see cases like this with 30 plus witnesses, pro bono attorneys coming in to help, lending their expertise. Certainly a nine minute video usually is quick, quick shot. I couldn't think I didn't know what was going on. So this is very unique. Even with all of that said, is the fact that he's been convicted, is that used in the upcoming trial or does it stand on its own? Does it say, okay, we're going to get you for aiding and abetting this murder and we know it's a murder because he was convicted or is it we're going to get you aiding and abetting a murder and now we have to prove it's a murder all over again? Yes, it's going to be all you have to prove that it's a murder all over again and that they aided and abetted. So, you know, when we talk about the convictions of these other officers uh, and I can't. Do you know that you remember their names? I know there's Lane and um, Tao, I think Tao. And I believe the other one is King. I I know Officer Lane because he was the one that said, shouldn't we turn him over? And he doesn't have a pulse. So I remember his name. And I think his trial will be very interesting because that can cut two ways, right? He was the one that was sort of semi kind of trying to intervene, but he didn't do too much. So that could help him to a jury. But also the fact that he knew (laughs) that you should turn them over and that you should not have them in a pro that might hurt him. So his, if he decides to go to trial, it will be very interesting because he was only on the force a week. He, you know, and it'll be interesting to see what a jury would do with that, with his, because it could, the argument can be made both ways that he tried to help and that he knew what he was doing was wrong. Mm-hmm. But then the argument is, again, he was there being trained, you know, by Derek Chauvin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was new. He did not have the 19 years exactly. of experience. So he's definitely taking a chance. So if I was his attorney, I would definitely be trying to get a plea deal. Right. And remember, I, it just came out that Derek Chauvin was offered a plea deal of third degree murder. I didn't know that prior uh-huh. to this. Yeah. So. Um, it, yeah. Well, it, it's been out. They, they put, it, okay. uh, Yeah. They put that out uh, early on. Uh, what happened with that was uh, Attorney General Barr 
which is what's amazing because mm-hmm. a lot of people didn't think that he would do that. But because it was such a high profile case, he wanted a plea deal with um, federal prison. Right. And and he wanted to be able to what I classify as call the shots, um, mm-hmm. you know, be able to determine what he was doing and the type of time that he would have gotten would not have satisfied the urgency of this case. And so mm-hmm. it was attorney Barb, Trump's guy. They said, no, no plea deal. We're going to have to see this all the way out. And people don't see that because they see attorney bar, which, again, I'm not an attorney bar fan. I just want I'm glad that you brought that up because a lot of people don't realize that. But it was actually attorney bar that said no, because they could have closed yeah. the deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was because he was trying to call the shots. My understanding is because he wanted to serve his time in federal prison when this was a state charge. Well, that's what I mean. Call the shots. How yes, he wanted yes. to do it. You know, yes. we make it work the way I want to do it. And it right. wasn't in the plea. De- it wasn't. It wasn't adequate for the level of exactly for the level of they figured because they were more concerned about additional riots and additional, you know, all of that. It was it certainly wasn't because they were just so concerned about black folks justice. Let's get that straight. It was more the politics of it all. Right. Well, it was more than the politics. You can't serve state time in a federal prison. It doesn't work like that. True. But that was his suggestion. They could have offered him something different. Right. They could have. Yes, it had a lot to do with the politics of it all and what it would have looked like. It needed to play out. It was better that it played out than to close the deal, because from the political standpoint, they thought it would make matters worse, which they were absolutely right. It would have. Yes, it would have. But I mean, they did offer him a plea. He just rejected it. They offered him a straight plea of jail time in state prison. He said, I will do this plea if I can do my time in federal prison. Attorney Barr said, wait a minute, I'm in charge of federal prisons. No, you can't come here. <laughs> and, Correct. That's, and that's what happened. Attorney Barr could have gave him something better. I'm not again, I'm not trying to give Attorney Barr credit. I'm just saying that it was some politics involved because they break the rules for white folks all the time. So let's just call it what it is. So I'm saying it was some politics involved. Let's say that he didn't ask for state. I mean, federal. And he just asked something else. What I'm what I'm trying to say is there was some politics involved and how it would have looked if it was not adequate enough to meet the need of what of we were seeing all over that. the country. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course there was that. But the, the bottom line was that Attorney Barr followed the law. Mm-hmm. He said, you cannot spend state time in federal prison. Right. And my only thing is, <laughs> Attorney Barr has also been found not following the law. Yes, uh, many times. <laughs> many times. So that's what I'm saying. It's not just, oh, he just followed the law. It was politics. reason why I'm stressing yes. that over and over is because I want people to know how politics is in everything. That it's yes, always connected okay. to I something. Agree with that. So it's always, you always got to look at it from the political lens, from the legal ends. What does it look like when you have the entire world erupting over this one particular case? Is some politics involved, just like it was some politics involved with attorney Keith Ellison. Absolutely. He knew Mm -hmm. that he had to do certain things to make sure that this case was fair because he knows there was going to be a political consequence. Why am I pushing that? Because we have to start getting in the mindset of political consequences. So if we go with the theory that conservatives, Trump administration, I'm just throwing the theory out there. They don't care about black folks. They were more willing to let him sacrifice this one part, let him be the sacrifice rather than deal with everything that would have came with that by basically letting shove and slide is what I'm trying to say. Right. I'm just and when to- we talk about that, I mean, same thing they happened. They threw those capital rioters under the bus, too. So politics do, but they were worried about the image there, too. So Absolutely. politics does matter. Absolutely. Every single time. Never forget it. Steve. 
State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbroke, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. How do we level the playing field for all entrepreneurs? 55% of white businesses survive the startup phase, while only 4% of black businesses do the same. So I want every black entrepreneur to know about the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative. The 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative is an award-winning program created by Shopify and Operation Hope. They're on a mission to start, grow, and scale 1 million black businesses by 2030, driving wealth creation for the black community. Out of 6 million employer-owned businesses in the U.S., only 2.3% have black ownership. This program gives black entrepreneurs tools and resources to level the playing field, from free business coaching to tailored training and extended free Shopify trial. Shopify's made a 10-year, multi-million dollar commitment to the program, and it's working. The initiative already started, supported, and engaged with over 334,000 black businesses, helping them operate businesses that sell anything from skateboards to coffee beans to apparel. Business owners love this program. Simone Harvin, founder of SC Creative Group, says, The 1 million black businesses experience for me was unlike any other program I've been a part of, primarily because it was for us and it was by us. Here at Drink Champs, we are always interacting with our listeners, many being black entrepreneurs. Shopify is one of those platforms that empowers and emboldens entrepreneurship. So chart your own path for business success with the 1 Million Black Businesses Initiative and Shopify. Bring your business to Shopify with an exclusive offer at shopify.com slash B-E-N, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash B-E-N. Now, what about Tao? Do you think he, he would definitely ha- has a strong case on aiding and abetting? And for the, oh, those who are listening, yeah. that's the guy that was standing there, you know, holding, quote unquote, talking to the. Uh, yes. Bystander. Let me tell you why. For any of your um, people who have ever watched any type of crime show, Tao was the lookout. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was the one that prevented people from coming to aid to the crime, from seeing any of the witnesses that were there. Even though Tao was not on George Floyd's neck and he didn't participate in the holding down, it you can you can analogize him to the lookout in a drug deal, right? Mm-hmm. So he was the one that was preventing anyone else 
from interfering in this crime or being able to really have a clear indication of what was happening in this crime. I think he is the most culpable, even though he was not touching George Floyd. He's the one most culpable for aiding and abetting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you think if there's not uh, if, if these guys walk? What do you think that's 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 going to say uh, about you know the the justice system? Or do you think it'll take away from Derek Chauvin? I interviewed uh, the uh, cousins of George Floyd, and I asked you know them the same question: Will it take away from the d- justice with Derek Chauvin? And and they really believe that you know the weight of it was definitely on Derek Chauvin, and it wouldn't take anything away. Although they would like to see everybody convicted. But what is your thought on that? I, I think it would take away because it's just like anyone. Anytime you have when a black person is committed of a crime and there are multiple people that participated in the crime, it's not justice until everybody is convicted. Mm-hmm. So the same thing here. It's not justice until everyone who participated in this crime is convicted. So, you know, or at least tried and at least tried and given a fair trial with a fair um, deliberation of the jury. So I, I do think, and I think that the public is going to think so. Look, most people were on edge. In this case, you know, it could have gone any way for Minneapolis and Minnesota because of the way that this case was handled in the beginning. People are still on edge. It's not because they're of Derek Chauvin per se. You talked about this earlier in your show. This is a whole culture. This mm-hmm. is not one person. And this becomes the problem when people say, oh, look, y'all got justice. No, we didn't get justice with Derek Chauvin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Derek Chauvin is one person that is a symbol of a larger problem, the justice system in America and how policing in America is handled. So I don't think that one person will ever satisfy people who want to see justice because justice is a revision of the way policing in America is handled. Justice is putting in new policies that protect Black people so that they are, they are have their life and they get to have a trial just like everyone else, no matter what the crime they, they committed instead of dying on the street. Okay, and let's let's deal with that two things you said about the word justice and then when you say have a trial. 90% of people take plea deals. So when you're saying, you know, we want to see the other officers have a fair trial, what is your position on the fact that people take plea deals, which is not a fair trial, which ultimately hurts us too. You know, we normally take the plea deal because we know we don't have a chance in hell in court. So uh, can you just... Go a little bit deeper than that into your explanation where you're saying, you know, we want to see people tried and convicted. How does the plea deal process, you know, work into that? Do, is, the, is the plea deal always fair? Well, a plea deal is for judicial economy. That is, you can't try every case in the United States of everybody because the courts will be clogged up. We'll be behind. So plea deals are there for judicial economy. If you know you're guilty or you just don't want to, you know, and this is the way it should work. It doesn't work this way. I'm just going to tell you the way it should work. And then we'll talk about the realities of how it works for disenfranchised people. But if you know you're guilty, you don't want to face a trial because you feel that a trial, the jury will convict you because they have the evidence, then you should take a plea deal. And that's why plea deals are going to be, you're going to get a lesser sentence and a lesser, it's just negotiation. And the reason we have that is because our court systems can't handle doing a trial for everybody who's ever been arrested. Now, in America <laughs> and under our current justice system, what we see is that really it becomes a plea deal is usually a judicial economy that works to convict poor people, mm-hmm. people who can't afford a lawyer, people who can't afford to go to trial. And, you know, many people, they plead because they don't have a choice because they cannot afford 
And then you also have the the racist element or the racial element where, you know, we have a racist society and we're worried that people will look at someone and assume that they're guilty without looking at the evidence, without doing what they're supposed to do in trial and just listen to the evidence that's presented at trial. So that's where, you know, the, it kind of breaks down a little bit. But I think that, yes, if you ask me, I think that if we, on the whole, a plea deal is a fair mechanism for achieving justice in America. But just like everything else in America, you know, you also have to deal with the systemic racism in the justice system. And, the, and not just racism, the systemic classism where poor people can't get justice. So, you know, you do have to deal with those ramifications of it. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbrook, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know a spot, but not just a spot, the spot. Actually, with the 2023 Nissan Frontier, you know a bunch of them. But the key to these great spots, being able to reach them in the first place. Your spot is out there. Find your Frontier in the 2023 Nissan Frontier with standard 310 horsepower, advanced tech, and 281 pound-feet of torque. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid Mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary. your senses and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the natural hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Okay, let's deal with that word justice. Attorney Keith Ellison came out and said, this is not justice. This is accountability. You and I have had so many conversations on the word justice, especially when mm-hmm. it comes to the civil side. <laughs> you know, we mm-hmm. always, what does when people hear justice, they mean just, fair, equal, 
uh, right. you know, feeling as if, which we know that's not necessarily justice, but right. the legal mind, your brilliant legal mind is justice. Okay. Was served, especially when we when we had these conversations on the civil side, which we don't have the time to go into. That's a whole nother show. But what did it mean when when Keith Ellison said, you know, this is not justice, but as an attorney, it technically is justice based upon the cards that we have been dealt on what we consider justice. Are you tell me what is justice? What do you do? You understand what he was saying, and and do you agree? I do understand when you say accountability, because in the sense of what justice is for a government agent. And that's what a police officer is, a government agent. There also has to be accountability for the actions of this government agent. Now, that's a civil thing. Of course, we're judging Derek Chauvin on on the criminal standard, which is beyond a reasonable doubt that he did something that a reasonable officer would not have done. But when you're thinking about accountability, that is that's a good way to think about justice in the terms of government agents being held to a standard, because of course, police officers can take, they can kill people, right? They have a legal license to kill people if they feel that they are a danger to them or a danger to others. So it's a different, you and I, we, we have that, but we don't have the protections that police officers have. There's two different justices, I think, that we have to consider in the criminal justice system. There's the justice of, did someone do it? That's what the jury is decides. That's the justice there. So that's kind of like, do you believe that some beyond a reasonable doubt that someone did it? So that's one justice. And that just comes down to listening to the evidence and being fair. Then there's the justice that the judge doles during sentencing. During sentencing of what you should get, what you should pay for your crime, that should be a totality of who you are and what brought you here and the crime and the victims taking into consideration all of that. So that justice is really kind of a sliding scale of justice to me. And then, of course, the civil justice, which is a whole nother show <laughs> that we talk about a lot because people are still so confused on that. And, and no matter how many ways I explain it, people are still going to stay confused. I think a way to explain the civil justice, that's just restitution mm-hmm. for your for your act. Now you got to pay for your act. And then the argument is, yeah, but who's really paying for it? You know, the officer's not paying for it. The taxpayers pay for it. It averages about $300 per taxpayer, which is why we're fighting to end qualified immunity in the justice in the justice um, for George Floyd Policing Act. And people say, yeah, but they don't. Pay. Well, this is what we're dealing with now. This is why we're trying to fight all of this stuff to change. We right. can't just stall and say, hey, we're not going to file any more lawsuits until they figure it out. Otherwise, it may not ever be filed. And let me tell you, not all the time. So when we sue somebody in civil court, we sue the officer and the city or the policing agency. So the officer does pay for it, too. Now, he might have insurance. Um, many officers go bankrupt. If, they, if you win a case against them, the jury is making a decision against them because they're being sued individually. And then the city is being sued as an agent, agency, a municipality, or the police agency if it's a sheriff. So if it's a police department, it's going to be the city being sued. If it's a sheriff, most sheriffs are independent agencies because voters vote them in. So you sue the sheriff's department. But in this case, the officer also is being sued. So what we see when people talk about, they, you know, yeah, the city is the deeper pockets for a civil attorney, meaning that they have more money. But the goal is to bankrupt the officer, too. Mm-hmm. But when you hear the argument that, no, the officers don't pay, the city pays. 
Uh, would you say that it's fair to say they're talking about the, you know, the bulk of it falls on the, yes. the citizen? And the bulk of it of how it has been done. Now, we have seen cases where that's because the city usually retains the officer, right? So they keep them on. But now we're seeing officers being fired. <laughs> and we're seeing officers who now they're not being indemnified by their employers because that's how the city usually pays when you sue the officer mm-hmm. is that they're indemnifying them. As just like if you worked for McDonald's, you are, are any delivery service, um, you deliver for Pizza Hut and you hit somebody's car, then the person can sue Pizza Hut because the, you're, they were your employer, even though they also sue you, but Pizza Hut is going to pay for it. But in this case, what we're seeing is many, uh, many cities are saying, listen, officers, if you're doing something that is against our policy and you're doing something that is outside of the law and outside of our policy, we ain't paying for it. Right. But see, and this is probably a whole nother show because I'm glad you brought that up, because when people are hearing in qualified immunity, they're assuming that the officer is not being sued. And I think what I'm hearing you say is. Depending on who that civil rights attorney is, sometimes they go after the officer, sometimes they do not. That's what you're saying. Typically, they yeah. go after the city because that's where the bigger bucks are. Well, every case that I've ever done, we've sued the officers and the city or the police or the sheriff's department. Every case that Ben Crump has ever done, he sued the officer and the police department or the sheriff's office. OK, so if you can sue the officer, what is ending qualified immunity about? Qualified immunity only applies to the officer. It doesn't apply to the to the municipality. So qualified immunity says even if an officer did something wrong, that if they were not put on notice that what they were doing was wrong by a by a higher court like the Supreme Court, the 11th Circuit in Florida, the appellate court, if they're not put on notice by a case being decided saying that they did something wrong, then they are immune from their bad acts. So they're immune from being sued for their bad acts. Okay, even I'm getting confused because if they're immune from their bad acts, how are you suing them? You can't sue them. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what they do. You sue them. Then during the summary judgment part of a lawsuit, they file for their case to be dismissed based on qualified immunity. Okay, that's the part then, Natalie. They have basically what you're saying is I can can make the act to sue you. It doesn't mean... That it's actually going to happen because qualified immunity is they can apply to be removed. Correct. Right. Exactly. So in my mind, just so you know, layperson's mind, Mm -hmm. that technically means you're not suing them. I know what you're saying. I can go down and I can file the paperwork. But in the layperson's mind, if you file the paperwork and they say, no, they're immune. In our mind, the layperson's mind. Well, you've gone through litigation. You're going. So litigation is not just a trial. It's a whole procedure. So you you've filed the lawsuit. We've gone through discovery. We've, we're getting ready for trial. They file a motion called a motion for qualified immunity. Right. What I'm saying is in the layperson's mind, because they can file that for qualified immunity mm-hmm. and the result is not suing the officer. Mm-hmm. In, in our mind, that means you can't sue the officer. I hear right. what you're that, saying. The result you're, is the officer being dismissed from correct, the lawsuit. Correct. And what I'm saying, the layperson's mind, because you're like, no, we sued. We went down, we filed the paperwork, we went through the procedure, we did all of that. But because they had that loophole and the result doesn't happen, that's where the layperson's mind is. Right. But I want to make sure you understand this. Mm -hmm. So not we always the last three trials that we had, the officer lost their qualified immunity motion. Okay. So not all the time do they win. Okay. 
So they don't get, it's not an automatic thing that they get thrown out of court. Okay. We have to fight that. There's litigation on that, whether or not they qualify for qualified immunity. Got it. Okay, got it. And that's a whole nother conversation because that depends on the act, that depends on right. blah, blah, blah. But overall, the issue is pushing to end qualified immunity so that they do not have that loophole. And right. from a they lay don't person, have that chance. Right. From a layperson standpoint, I hear what you're saying, all the technicalities, but I want to make sure my folks that are listening- Your people understand. Are understanding because if not, it's like, wait a minute, I thought you couldn't sue. Well, you can sue, but then they can get qualified immunity. That's too many details. Yeah. Bottom and let me just tell you, just for your, also, for your knowledge, is that qualified immunity, the reason that it's bad is because it's saying, even if you did something illegal, <laughs> you can get immunity from lawsuits, police officers. That's what it's saying. It's saying, even if you did something illegal, totally out of pocket, you can still be immune from being sued civilly. Mm-hmm. Right. That's why it's bad. Right. Okay. Because you thing. can't be immune from that. You are a person. So it's giving them that extra layer. You as a lay, as a citizen, you can't be immune if you did something bad. People could sue you. Mm-hmm. Got it. Okay. Which ultimately, since they can get immune, it either still goes to the taxpayer because of qualified immunity, or if the officer is sued and their motion is denied for qualified immunity, the, the mm-hmm. bulk of it goes to the uh, the taxpayers because they have the bigger check. Got it. No, so no. No. <laughs> Let me go. Yeah, no. We also sued the city. So you're suing the officer for the bad act. So in Chauvin's case, you would sue Chauvin for the wrongful death of George Floyd. You would sue the city for their policies that enable Chauvin to. So those are two different people. So even if Chauvin got disqualified on qualified immunity, you still could go forward with your lawsuit against the city. Well, yeah, that's what I meant. I'm ultimately okay. saying the city, the taxpayers end up paying for it. Ultimately, even if the if so, the if the officer and that's dis- why I'm saying that's not quite right because many times the officer is represented by the police union, not by the city. Mm-hmm. The city has their own lawyers, which that's what the taxpayers are paying for. The city lawyer, the officer usually pays into. They have like an insurance with the police union. Sure. That the union pays for, but separate that from a side. What I'm what I'm mm-hmm. trying to tell you is the argument that people say that's going on the taxpayers. I'm strictly talking about the city part. I'm not mm-hmm. talking okay. about the union yes, that's, that's, that's also putting money in the pot. I'm talking and they about have their own insurance. Correct. So yes. I'm not talking about that because that's when they say you know the unions, but that's that's their shit. Excuse my friend. You know that's them. Hey, y'all mess but up. Y'all pay the officer usually. Right. That's the but officer. that's what I'm saying. That's they're being accountable some type of way with the union or them alone. What I'm talking about is the argument where people say, we're tired of taxpayers, the city, having to pay for these officers. Mm-hmm. So they should not have, they should end qualified immunity to remove that mm-hmm. loop and all the responsibility, I'm just telling you what the argument is on the grassroots. All the responsibility should be on the officer in the union or the union and the officer, however y'all want to do it, but not on right. the taxpayer. That's the part that, right. I'm, that I'm trying and to And the reason clear. that it's, the reason that activists want that is because now if they, you remove that Im- immunity, now, if a jury gives a verdict of a million dollars to the city for their policies and procedures against the city for their policies and procedures and a million dollars to Javen for killing George Floyd, Javen ain't got a million dollars. So you're about to bankrupt his ass now unless he has the insurance from the police union that will pay that verdict. Well, that's a whole nother show. You probably can come back and that may even be served to um, be good to go deeper in once we, because right now everybody's pushing the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. One of the main things mm-hmm. that's going to keep it from passing the Senate 
is qualified immunity. So we certainly could use, you know, another opportunity when that goes to the floor to have you back, Natalie, just to go into a little bit deeper so that people, you know, understand. I certainly appreciate you breaking that down. Before we get out of here, what is the next step? You know, what do we do? How do we make sure, you know, that police officers, I know that's a broad question and, you know, it's not a one simple answer, but what would you say to tell folks, what can they do uh, to, to keep us on this path? I think the next step would really be to put pressure on our politicians to pass the George Floyd Policing uh, Justice and Policing Act, because that has many of the reforms that many different organizations have been pushing for. So I think that's the next step is if we want to if we want to do something holistically on this. On the federal level, because when we have states, you know, who may have passed similar you know, laws that are in the George Floyd Act, because we know that 100 cities have either changed policy or law. The federal level is what supersedes it all. And exactly. And, it all. and that's what's really, really key and important, especially uh, talking about that database that can uh, give us data, you know, on these police officers as well. So I exactly. certainly love to have you come back and break down that law, at least the high points, you know, and, and what what we know they're going to be fighting, especially that qualified immunity, because that's what's holding it up. And it's the reason why. And that's because the unions have the money and whoever exactly. has the money is who runs has the show the in politics. That's right. It has the power. Thank you so much, Attorney Natalie Jackson, for joining me Thank again. Thank you for, for having me. Yes, ma'am. Thank you again. Hey, guys, make sure you check out part one, part two, just to kind of catch you up, you know, on what it is uh, that Attorney Natalie Jackson and I are talking about. Certainly send me your questions. Let me know if there's anything else we can answer as we move forward. This is just one of many to move forward with. Certainly, I will be covering, obviously, uh, the other uh, officers to see, you know, what happens with that. We'll bring attorney Natalie Jackson back on to kind of break that down and continue to provide her excellent, brilliant legal commentary. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Again, you can find attorney Natalie Jackson. What's your website, Natalie? It's it's NatalieJacksonLaw.com. My Twitter is NatJackTweets and my Facebook is NatalieJackson underscore 75. Perfect. All right, y'all check in with my sister. Follow her. She tweets all the time. Opinions. She takes questions. She answers. She's very much engaged. She is not somebody just kind of sits back and, and doesn't get engaged with a follower. So make sure you follow her. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Until next time. If you like what you heard on Straight Shot No Chaser, please subscribe and drop a five star review and tell a friend. Straight Shot No Chaser is a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network and iHeartRadio. I'm Tesla Figaro, and I'd like to thank our producer, editor, mixer, the one and only. Marcy DePina, our mix master, Dwayne Crawford, and our executive producer, Charlemagne the God. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth-building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions.
AT&T connects an ode to podcast. Connect the alarm, change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze, 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower, lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work and traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T.